0: Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Uh, As Brad said, my name is Brady. Uh, Some of you may or may not see me on Sundays. Usually I'm with the high schoolers back in our little room. Um, But I'm very excited to be able to speak to all of you today. Um, And a a a while back when uh, Jeff approached me and said, hey, Brady, September 3rd, you want to preach? I was like, yeah, I'm in. I, I love it. It's so much fun standing up in front of you guys and just sharing what God has to say. And then I was like, okay, what's, what's, what's our sermon series? What are we talking about? He was like, we don't really have one. It's up to you. Okay, sounds good. And so after spending some time with God, he put a question on my heart. And the goal for this question is twofold, and I hope that it meets you where you're at. This question can serve in two different ways. The first way is it can encourage you. And if you need some encouragement, I hope this question does it for you. The second thing that this question is going to do is it's going to challenge you. And if you need challenged in your faith, I hope it does that for you too. The question is this. Do you know that God chose you? Very simple question. Very simple yes or no question. And maybe because of where you're sitting, maybe it's an obvious answer. But maybe where you are in life, maybe it's not as obvious. But the answer is yes. God has chosen every single one of us to carry out the work in his kingdom. This world is filled with things that are going to drag you down. It's filled with distractions. And I can at least speak for myself when I say that I often forget that I am chosen by the creator himself. And so what I want today to be is a word of encouragement to you as well as a challenge. Wherever you are in your life, through the lens of the creator of the universe, chose you. And we're going to look throughout scripture and we're going to look through the very first people that God chose and Jesus chose in his ministry. The proof that we are chosen is found in scripture when Jesus is calling his very first followers into his ministry. When Jesus was starting out, he decided to surround himself with other people that were going to help him both when he was on this earth and when he ascended back into heaven. Now, there's a common leadership tactic that you should surround yourself with people that fill up your weaknesses. Wherever you're strong, that's good, but wherever you're weak, you need to recognize that and fill people with other people that can help with those weaknesses, Now we know Jesus did not have any weaknesses. And so you'd think that he would surround himself with well-groomed, really educated, just biblically sound people. But let's let's dive into scripture, Matthew chapter 10, where it's going to list the 12 apostles. And we're going to talk a little bit about their backgrounds and if they were the well-groomed, high-class, Bible-knowledgeable people. Matthew 10, verses 2 through 4 says this. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Barth- Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zelot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. If we investigate the history of these guys, we know that they were not well-spoken Bible-based people. In fact, some of them would have been very low, low class. Simon Peter and his brother, as well as the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they would have been bottom tier, low class fishermen. And even lower class than that, we look at Matthew, the tax collector. He would have played a key, key factor in crippling the Jewish people during this time. So people would have hated him. And even if we want to look at Simon the Zelot, what a zealot is, is they're anarchists, people that wanted to overthrow the government, and they would have rebelled, they would have, they would have stole, they would have murdered to get rid of this Roman government. And so sometimes when I'm feeling a little bit down, I like to imagine this scenario where all the disciples are meeting each other for the first time. I like to imagine they're sitting in a circle, and Jesus is like, all right, uh, welcome everybody, thank you for abandoning your lives, um, and welcome So let's just go around the the circle here, and why don't why don't you say your name and your occupation? Matthew goes, okay, uh, I'll go first. My name's Matthew, and formerly I was a tax collector. And instantly, I like to imagine the look on Simon the Zealot's face when he realizes that he has to work with his mortal enemy. How many of us have to do that? None of the disciples were perfect. In fact, they weren't even close. When we look through Scripture, we see that Thomas doubted Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. And I'm guilty of falling into this habit, but sometimes when I'm looking through Scripture and I'm reading about the disciples, sometimes I like to look down on them. But all of those statements remain true if I replace my own name. Brady isn't perfect. Brady denied Jesus. Brady doubted Jesus. Brady betrayed Jesus. Many of us are familiar with Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Brady, you, you came out here and the very first thing you said was that this message was going to be encouraging and you just said probably the most depressing verse in the entire Bible. That's fair. I get that. So let's keep reading to the very next verse, Romans 3.24, and it says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't choose his disciples because they were perfect. He chose them because they were redeemable. He doesn't choose you because you're perfect. He chose you because you're redeemable. With Jesus, Peter was redeemable. With Jesus, Brady is redeemable. With Jesus, you are redeemable. He chose people from all different walks of life. It didn't matter their status. It didn't matter the color of their skin. It didn't matter what they look like. It didn't matter their age. Jesus chose them just like he chose every single one of us. We are called to serve in his kingdom. Now, we're all different, we're all unique, so that's going to look different for all of us based on our talents and abilities. But one thing is going to remain constant, and that comes from Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's going to look different for all of us whether you're teaching a Bible study, whether you're behind the scenes running sound, whether you're just in your community shining your light, no matter what it looks like for you, you are called to love God and love others. Jesus summarizes the entire Bible in that simple statement, love God and love others. And so to to play into our theme of encouragement today, I want to highlight some of the good things that we've done in this building. Now keep in mind, and I want to reiterate some of the things that Brad said, that this is just a building, but I do want to highlight some of the good things that have happened in this building. If we want to go back to Easter, we collected Easter eggs and provided Easter egg hunts for people. If we want to flash back a couple weeks ago at Homeroom Hope, we provided haircuts and school supplies to those who are in need. If we want to flash back to Christmas, we provided Christmases for kids who are in need. Those are all good things. I'm not going to say that they're not. But here's the kicker. They turn into amazing things when the Spirit is working within them. All of these things, whether it's the Easter egg hunt or Homeroom Hope or Back to School Bash, they are all good things. But they turn into amazing things when the Spirit is within them. And the spirit is moving in this building. If you want the proof, if you've been baptized in the last year, please stand up. That's amazing. Thanks, guys. I think it's six of the last seven weeks we've had a baptism here, whether it was here or at Round Lake. That's the proof that the spirit is moving in here. And if I'm being honest with you, it's not surprising. Because God does amazing things, and there's too much prayer that goes into every event, every service, every single seat, every Sunday. There's too much prayer that goes into it for God to not have his spirit here. And so Brad read it earlier, but I want to read this verse again because it's so important and it's so encouraging. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ. As I walk into this building, I see small groups popping up. I see new families if you're here at all after service, the kids just chase each other, and it's really fun to watch. They're not good at running, but that makes it better. And I know every time I step into this building, I feel encouraged too, whether you know I just share a quick nod and hello with you or whether I have a full-blown conversation. I'm encouraged by all of you here spurring each other on towards love and good deeds. And that's what you were chosen to do. We see in the second chapter of Acts, right after Christ, goes right back up into heaven to rejoin his father. Acts chapter 2, it's the early Christians, and it's the early church, and they're all together. And they spend their time together. They live together. They encourage one another. And they're each other's biggest fans in life. And so speaking of being other people's biggest fan, I had a big fanboy moment last week when I had the opportunity of baptizing Braden Snyder. Brayden, you here? He's here somewhere. All right, he's here somewhere. Now, a couple weeks before I had the opportunity to do this, I had an opportunity to sit down with Braden's parents, Rob and Anna, who are here. And it was an amazing conversation, but if I'm being honest, even though it was meant for Braden, I took a lot out of it. Maybe I wasn't supposed to, but I did. Their biggest sentiment is that when you get baptized, when you make that decision to follow Christ, it's not a one-day decision. It's not something you just say you want to do for one day, celebrate it for 24 hours, and then forget. It's a lifelong commitment. And I, I just started thinking of all these scriptural examples of people that would follow God for one day and then forget it the next. And I would think of all the examples in my own life when I would follow Christ for one day and then forget it the next. And so many times in our spiritual walks of faith, we tend to get these spiritual highs. Whether it's, it was a great service and maybe somebody got baptized, and you're like, yes, God is good. Or maybe he just got you out of a tough time, and you're like, yes, God is good. But for all of the moments where you're like, yes, God chose me, I feel called, this is amazing, for all the moments that you have like that, you're going to have an equal amount of moments where you will doubt, where you will feel sad, where you will feel detached. There's no better example of this in the Bible than Peter, in my own opinion, now, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, I know I've talked, to, talked about it up here during a communion meditation, is when Peter is empowered by Jesus to walk on water. And we're, in a minute, we're going to read this story. And maybe you've read it a thousand times. Maybe you've never heard it before. But no matter how many times you've heard or not heard this story, I'd like it to challenge you. I'm going to challenge your thinking just a little bit. This story comes from Matthew chapter 14. walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now Jesus did end up reaching in the water, pulling Peter back out and bringing him back to the boat and saving his life. But before I tell you, what Jesus told Peter as soon as he resurfaced I'd, I, re- resurfaced, I'd like to tell you some of the things that he didn't say. He didn't say, oh, Peter, I'm so sorry that the wind picked up. My fault. He didn't say, oh, my, my fault, Peter. I didn't realize that the waves were that heavy. He didn't say, oh, my, my fault, Peter. That wasn't the right time to call you. He didn't say any of those things. What he said is, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When the bad times come, you are still chosen by the creator of the universe. Sometimes that can be scary. Just ask Peter. It can be scary to walk out in faith but he still calls us to. The good news is that when you stumble and sink, which you will, which I have, he's going to be right there with a hand, ready to pull you up, ready to give you another shot at believing that you are chosen for a purpose. Now, last time I was up here, I, I shared a little bit about my family and a, little, a couple details about my wrestling career. Um, I shared a couple details about how Grace may or may not struggle with some Dairy Queen blizzards. Um, but what I want to do today is give you guys an even closer look into my own personal life because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be transparent. We're called to be a community. And part of that is sharing with one another. And so I'm not going to look anywhere near here. It's not because I don't like you guys. It's because if I look at her, I'm probably going to cry. But recently, my mom needed to get a hysterectomy. She needed to get this procedure done because they found polyps inside of her. Now, this is very scary, not only because the recovery is rough, which it is, and it has been, but this is very scary because they were testing for cancerous cells and whether it had spread to other parts of the body. This was a very hard time for me and my family, and we tend to be private about these kinds of things. But we convinced my mom to tell Jeff, and we convinced my mom to tell Brenna, and they were very encouraging. We're very, very thankful for them. But some other people found out within the church, and they immediately stopped everything that they were doing, put hands on her, and began to pray. In a moment that I'll never forget. When we're in a community where the Spirit is moving, that provides comfort, that provides power, and we spur each other on in faith. And I'm pleased to say that the the surgery went well and there's no more cancerous cells. Amen. It's amazing. Yep. And again, I want to reiterate that the key to this strong community and the key to this community continuing to thrive and continuing to grow, just like in Acts chapter 2, the key is the Holy Spirit. As a church, with all those events that we have, those are good things. But my prayer before every outreach event that we do comes from Psalms 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I pray that every single family that steps into these doors realizes that it's not just us doing good things, it is God doing amazing things through us. Because again, that's what we're chosen to do. We are chosen to work in His kingdom. We're chosen to live in a community together. And amazing things are going to happen out of that. Because while people will fail you, Jesus never will. So what I have here, two dog toy soccer balls. The only real difference in them is that my dog bit a hole in one. But they remind me so much of us. If we are not filled up with the Holy Spirit, if we are not filled up with his presence, and the bad things happen, we stay on the ground. But when we are filled up with that Holy Spirit, and we start to doubt, we bounce right back up. When we are filled up with that Holy Spirit, and we get scared, Spirit bounces us right back up. If we're drowning, and we've got that Spirit, we bounce back up. If we feel like we're not called, but we're filled with that spirit, we bounce right back up. We're going through the hard times, we bounce back up. We're going through financial troubles, we bounce back up. If we have cancer, we bounce right back up. If we have a terrible diagnosis, we bounce right back up. If we get fired, we bounce right back up. It does not matter when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to take a deep breath. One more time. In. Out. As long as you're doing that, you're chosen. You are chosen by Jesus himself. And where we fall short, he picks up the slack. I hope that that's as encouraging as it is challenging. As long as you can breathe, Jesus chose you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your presence in each and every one of our lives. You fill up the gaps when we are empty, you fill the void when we can't fill it with anything else. God, I pray that we remember that. During the dark times, may we turn to you as the source of light. During the bad times, may we turn to you as the source of all things good. God, you are amazing. You are working in this place, and I pray that you continue to work not only in this place, but in each and every one of our lives